This episode of The Evening Jones is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse curly hair and sensitive skin. Check out GetBevel.com slash Bomani for your first month of membership free. That's GetBevel.com slash Bomani. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. I think I'll just go right into your question. Is Remy's diss record inflated hype by social media? Do trolls ruin this type of moments? I I don't even know what the trolls have to do with anything. I haven't really seen those trolls. I think in part because I feel like even those trolls have a legitimate fear that Remy might shoot them. I mean, that is an interesting variable in this that is worth considering, which is um, Remy uh, just got out of Rikers. Nicki Minaj, art school. And, I mean, that's not to say there ain't no gangsters in the art school or whatever, but, like, she's, like, art school. They seem to be going about this uh, via two completely different means. Right. And this is what I mean. See, this is where it gets to be interesting. Drake basically clown Meek Mill and then hit him at the concert with all the memes and stuff where everybody just laughed at him. Right. But that established the terms of that beef as being like he I mean, he made a joke out your man. Right. Like he just said that you're just somebody that we going to laugh at. And so he's saying, okay, we just going to laugh at you. And then you come back with, yo, I got guns and I'll smoke you and all the information. Like, he had already damaged your credibility to a point where, honestly, I don't think that Meek had any way to work himself back into a good place because he wound up getting painted in a corner by the way it started. So on this one, Remy, like, comes out the gate with the gangster shit with the sheather. Like, I mean, there were a number of times where I was just like, like, yikes, ooh. Like, there's a Remy coming from a different generation, man. I mean, it was just body punch after body punch after body punch after body punch. Like, that was honestly a really significant amount of hostility to be directed towards someone that I get the impression she doesn't actually know, right? Like, like you you would think if somebody had a beef and they said, so, you know, had a response that was just like so many body punches, you'd think that they was homies back in the day or something like that. Like Tupac and Biggie used to be cool. These two just been throwing shots, at least as far as I can tell. And I was just like, oh, goodness. Ooh. Ooh, 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 boy, who did you say it was a pedophile? Yikes. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing with Nicki Minaj is Nicki Minaj come out after that, and she's talking about record sales. No, 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 you can't do that. You, you can't do that. I think that your best option, if you're Nicki Minaj, is to lay low. <clears throat> you got to lay low until you got something to bring on them bars and 
I don't really know what exactly there is for you to bring on the bars because, like, Remy can say something intimating her willingness to shoot you, and I believe it. Uh, Nicki Minaj does that, and I do not believe it. Um, So you can't do that. You can come out on Remy and make your approach that you're going to be out here stunting on her and talk about how rich you are. It's been established. She ain't really tripping on that. Um, You can't really say too much about being a better rapper than her because, one, Remy's probably a better rapper than you, and, two, there are always those nagging questions about who exactly wrote those Nicki Minaj rhymes. Like I don't see I, I don't see a lot of paths to victory here. Like maybe she needs to be in one of those situations where she just like I'm above it and she acts like she doesn't even know that this is going on. Right? Like maybe that's the I don't know cuz I I, whew, I I oh man. Like that was vicious and it was long. Like I saw it was something like six minutes. And I'm like, am I really going to give myself six minutes? But the person said it to me, I trusted her opinion on it. So I was like, all right, I'll go ahead and check it out. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, but I guess we got to figure out like what the timetable is for responding to beef in this internet era. Because remember, like on one level, we had some people who cut Meek some slack because they remembered it was something like four months between Ether and TakeOver. But even still, he jumped out the gate a little bit too soon, right? Like, that's the thing. He jumped out the gate just a little bit too soon, and it wound up being an L for him. Now, I don't know what exactly Nicki Minaj would have to lose because I feel like the people that's really out here in these streets buying them Nicki Minaj records don't give a damn about no Remy Ma, right? Like, they they not... They're not tripping on that at all. That's like when Eminem had that beef with Benzino. Like, yeah, there was a lot of us who cared, but the people that were actually buying Eminem records, they're like, who's this Benzino guy you keep talking about? The Source. I've never read that. You know, like, is that, is that a magazine? And, 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 like, like, yeah, you have to remember that. So, like, the world that Nicki Minaj traffics in at this point, I don't know how much those people care about this. That being said, it doesn't mean that Remy Ma and Nicki Minaj don't both care about it. I think Nicki Minaj cares about it a great deal. Nobody wants to get clowned, right? Nobody wants to get clowned. And there's a circle of people that'll be hip-hop that Nicki Minaj will always want that respect from. She always will because, she I mean, she can rap. Like, I don't think anybody can pretend that she can't rap. And so she wants to be respected by people who rap, all right? And people who rap, we don't we don't see a lot of ways for her to come out on top here. I mean, and, and I think that people who rap who rap have looked right. And I said we. I said I don't rap. Sorry about that. That that would have been incredibly disingenuous. Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know how you get yourself out of this hell. I don't know how hard you're supposed to try. <coughs> Sorry about that. Appreciate that question. Let me see what else we got here. I've had like a nagging cough for a week. That's really annoying. Have you, are you going to see this Get Out movie? And are you surprised by the reception that it's getting? I have not seen this movie. As many of you know, I don't get out to see movies very much. 
And I had not planned to see this movie for a number of reasons, notably not really much on this key and peel thing. Um, never have, never will. Like they, they Steve's was not my Steve. All right. No disrespect. That being said, this movie, uh, the get out seems to be getting some pretty good reviews. And once I started seeing how mad it was making certain people, all of a sudden I became interested in what the possibilities were about this movie, about the dangers of dating white women. Because, like, that was a bit of a part of it for me, is that I saw the trailer for this, and I was thinking to myself, (coughs) I could see how a whole lot of people could relate to this, but I really didn't have any personal experience in line with this, you know, thing that they're talking about here. I know other people that have, certainly. And, like, that's in line in stories they can bounce around, you know. First time we got in the car, went off in the middle of nowhere to see my girlfriend's parents. Okay. But it didn't have me like, wow, I really got to go to the theater to see this. Like, I really, really do. No, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But apparently this is really good. Like, apparently it's a legitimate horror flick. I'm not really into horror flicks, but I do kind of like the idea of taking this and turning this into a horror movie. Like, it seems to be really, really well thought out and well done from everything that I've seen. So I might go check this out. That said, I have a question. And again, I ask this question to somebody who has never been taken home to my white girlfriend's house. If you are a black man dating a white woman and this movie comes out, if you have not already met her parents, is it a good idea for you two to go see that movie together? Right, like like say, for example, this black dude, it happens to be his first time in a relationship with a white woman that is of this level of intimacy. And perhaps on the other end, maybe she herself um, has never, as they say, gotten down with the brown. Like, do you really do you want to do this? Like, should you should you should you try to get your own experience in mind first before you start clouding your impressions of what it'll be? by uh, going to see a horror movie. I mean, I feel like this has to be a thought, right? Like my man said right here, um, this ain't a first date thing. I would probably be inclined to agree with you. It is probably not the way to go on a first date. Probably not. I also imagine there would be a lot of African-American couples that would be going to see the movie get out. And there would be a lot of inspection of you, black man, as we are witnessing your reaction. And not we, necessarily. By we, I mean she. Might be taking a good look at your face, seeing how much any of this is, you know, hitting close to home. Just in case you got some white girl that you ain't ever said nothing about. You will tell on yourself watching this movie, perhaps. Perhaps. These are the things that I consider about this, right? Like, I I do kind of want to see who the people are who are in the theater. I actually kind of disappointed that I didn't go see it on the opening weekend because I feel like then I'd get a full-on understanding of who it was that really wanted to see that movie, right? Like, who just couldn't wait? 
who saw the trailer was like, ooh, we got to go check that. I just want to see who those people were. Do my own demographic experiment. You know? Like, that would be what would be up. But I feel like that time has kind of passed. Now I'm just simply curious about the film itself. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Do you think people are overreacting to Van Jones' comments or that he's overreacting to the address? So I didn't really do a whole lot of the post-game coverage of the joint address because I like, kind of heard the address. I did a bit of it because I was too tired to get up and go to bed. But, you know, I by and large, nah, I didn't. I, 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 I don't necessarily need a recap of that speech. Like The thing to me about the speech that Trump gave is – We've heard that speech, right? Like, it's almost like his Twitter account, to a degree, was almost like workshopping for that speech. Like, I don't think there was... There were a couple of things that I thought, like, stood out being new, like the whole victims of immigration crime and enforcement thing, or whatever that was. I'm like, ooh, that sounds like that could get a little bit unwieldy. But, I mean, I felt like all of that was what we've heard from him for the better part of the last two years. So I was shocked that anybody would look at that as anything other than like some level of regurgitation of all those things. Now you can have your own judgment about all the stuff that he put out there, but I mean, it seemed to all be like what we had already heard. So the idea I think that's been proffered is that for the first time he looked like he was presidential and people are saying that like, as if the man hit a switch. Right. Like they're saying it like all of a sudden, cool. Like now this is going to be how he kicks it the whole way. Um, His speech at the Republican National Convention, he demonstrated that you give him a long speech and put him in front of a teleprompter. He could behave long enough to get to the end of it. Like it would be preposterous to somehow think that like something has changed. And all of a sudden, after 70 years, Donald Trump gives the joint address and it's just like, yo, this is the way that we're going to kick it from now on. Nah, nah, like he got through it. And so also I thought that it was, I found that that address was very much so tailored for television and the television audience. And of course it's typically going to be tailored for the television audience. But I mean, this speech was really for people who, it's for the base. And there was a bit of outrage. I pretend as though it was just totally one-sided. There was a certain degree of outreach, but I mean, this was a thing that was gold based. So, like any evaluation, any evaluation or analysis of that speech that doesn't acknowledge the fact that if nothing, like by and large, Trump was talking to people who didn't really know that much better, right, or not necessarily concerned with whether the things he's saying, you know, actually are true. Um, you know, once you get there, everything is just like, oh, okay, cool, we've heard this before. They set it up for TV, though, and got, got this with the widow, who and Trump didn't have anything to do with magnitude of the moment, right? Like, the magnitude of the moment was caused by ruckus applause. 
And so the raucous applause is caused by the audience, and every single person in the audience is going to clap for someone under those circumstances. And, of course, you have this striking moment of this woman and the tears running down her face and everything else, and I have no idea the circumstances under which she wound up being the family member to come. I have no idea, like, anything other than I can imagine that there's a lot going on right there. But not a single thing of that had to do with Donald Trump. Like, that was riveting television as far as most people who were watching it were concerned. That was it. <clears throat> so for me, it was a bit of a struggle. Like, to, to really watch people who saw that and were just like, yeah, like I think that this is the start of something new. No, I think that this was a continuation of a remarkable level of consistency. You know? Like, we've seen this. You know? So, I mean, I guess I don't really understand, like, what was that new about it? Now, my man Connor in the chat room is saying that I tweeted it was movie-like, how so? And what I thought was movie-like about it was that speech didn't at all get bogged down in anything that could be considered a level of minutia, right? Like, I felt like that speech was coded for people in a way that a movie about a State of the Union address would be coded. Like, if you put it in the movie, like, it's almost like when you watch television shows and court and real court isn't like that at all. Real court is a lot more boring. They just do all the cut to the chase. Like, that speech was all cut to the chase. It was all cut to the chase. Like, there perhaps were like new proposals, but there certainly were no new ideas. Like it was a very play the hits sort of thing. And it was set up in ways that you got all the camera shots of all the representative groups that you could need, you know, given full, see, I'm not racist. Like all of that was there. Like this was very well set up in that way. And he made it all the way through. And then something else is going to happen because he's just wildly insecure. So something else is going to happen. It's going to blow up again. Like, I mean, I think that there's something disingenuous about media acting as though there was any level of seismic shift by the speech on Tuesday, right? Like, let's see what happens for the, uh, by the week. That brings us to Van Jones, where Van Jones wound up on CNN being the black dude saying that Trump's speech was good and I believe that we all have to be dedicated to our own truth, right? And if you happen to believe something, you should say it. Van Jones wound up being the black dude on television who said that Donald Trump became president of the United States in that moment, period. Now, I believe that there is a fair question to be asked here. In fairness to Van Jones, there's a question to be asked, which is, is he saying, and I didn't see if he did, and you can correct me in the chat room, you let me know, but is he saying that 
Donald Trump became the president of the United States in that moment in his eyes, or was he simply speaking generally about it? Because if he's speaking generally about it, there may be something to it in spite of the fact that I don't think anything that momentous took place. If the people decide that the dude became the president in that moment, then that's what happened, right? If that's what happened. Talked about the thing with the uh, with the will and saying that that was one of the more extraordinary moments. Uh, I mean, you have to admit, the moment was pretty extraordinary. My question is, why in the world are we so caught up in this notion of presidential? Um, because basically what we're saying is, thank goodness this dude wasn't embarrassing in this speech. And I do have to say, progress is progress is progress. But that is just a really, really low bar to set. Like, wow, he looked kind of like a president of the United States would. And, I mean, so what does that mean? Because I would think that, like, did you think that he sounded extraordinary? Because I feel like I personally would like the president to sound extraordinary. Like, Ronald Reagan, like him or not, came off as being extraordinary. Like, even if it wasn't like a high-minded, intellectual sort of extraordinary It was extraordinary nonetheless, like his ability to say these things in easily digestible and relatable ways. Like he came across as being an extraordinary communicator. Bill Clinton's like a bit of a force in nature. He came across as as being extraordinary. Barack Obama is an extraordinary orator, but you got the impression that this man, the president of the United States, in one way or another, was extraordinary. Now, there are other presidents that didn't really give you that vibe. And, yes, I basically just kind of jumped over three terms of Bush on you there, but I don't think they gave off that. But at least, like, George W. Bush did give off, like, a bit of a personable vibe. His dad gave off the, I used to run the CIA, which, I mean, is a little, little trickier. But, you know, it, it sounds like something, right? I, don't, I didn't feel like Trump came across as being extraordinary. And I feel like the standard for presidential is pretty low if you don't have to give the impression that you yourself are extraordinary. Like, I understand that people kind of like the movie idea about, like, wow, a regular guy became president. Dude, I don't even want a regular guy making sandwiches at Subway. Like, I want somebody that's good at this. I'm not really here for ordinary, not in positions that are of primary importance. But, I mean, I honestly don't think <clears throat> that there's anything that I would have to say about that speech to Trump day. That's not something that I've said over and over and over again. Like, on that front, there's just really nothing new. Well, I appreciate the question. Let's see if I can find the... I've already closed it out. Let me see what else we got here. 
Hey, just want to take a break to tell you guys about Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed for men with coarse curly hair and sensitive skin. Dermatologists recommend it reduces razor bumps and shave irritation. There's a reason 9 out of 10 Bevel customers come back month after month, and I use it too. Look, 80% of black men and women struggle with razor bumps, and 30% of all men and women encounter razor bumps as well. You can get those razors from the store with all the blades on them, but then you get razor bumps if you've got coarse curly hair and creams that smell bad. They burn your face, all kinds of stuff like that. Bevel, single blade razor, cuts hair above the skin. It doesn't do it beneath. That way you avoid the ingrown hairs. And so it's designed for the ground up to give you a clearer shave. The end-to-end shaving system, you get a pre-shave oil, badger brush, safety razor blades, shaving cream, cooling, restoring balm. I use it. You should use it too. Start shaving smarter with Bevel. Get your first month of membership free. Head to getbevel.com slash bomani. That's getbevel.com slash bomani. Get your first month of membership free. Nah, I ain't even gonna. Hand, I ain't even going. Oh, I already put it up there. Nah, I ain't doing that bachelor question. I can't even have y'all getting that twisted, man, because y'all actually had me out here on the bachelor. Like you got to remember, I work for ESPN, which got the thing with ABC, which is the uh, the, the station that uh, airs the Bachelor. Like they'd actually mess around and have me on the Bachelor, and I don't see how that would be a good look for anybody. Like I, I don't, I, I don't think that that would be good for any of us. No, sirree, Bob. Anyway, how about this question? There we go. Wild night at the Oscars, right? Yeah. So I watch some of the Oscars. I typically don't do the Oscars, not because I'm too cool for it. I just don't really watch movies. Right, like that's not that's not really my bag, the movie game. I don't really do movies. So, actually, I watch the category on documentaries, you know, because we know Ezra, and so I saw that, and I saw I am not your Negro. So I had actually seen movies in the category, and I mean, I thought the OJ one was better than I am not my I am not your Negro, even though I thought that was pretty good. But anyway, I watched that. But, like, I'm not an Oscars watcher. I don't care about the clothes that people are wearing. Like, I'm just typically not into it in that way. But I gave it a bit of a watch. And I still say, man, the good folks at Moonlight, like, people talk about, you know, I, I've seen some people ask what I think is a fair question, where they're like, all you know, the, the, the uh, La La Land people are getting all this credit for their grace. And it's like, what else are they supposed to do? And I've said this in other places, but I want to say it here because I want to make sure that those of you who listen here are not necessarily other places get to hear me say this. Then folks at La La Land are definitely better than me, so I feel like I'm in a position to say that I would compliment them on their grace. And you know where I am in this, where I would feel, where I feel like I would be complimenting them on their grace? Because I don't have any problem with Moonlight getting their Oscars. But you're not getting mine. And the way I see it, once you put this Oscar in my hand, it became mine. I didn't ask you for it. You you gave it to me, right? Yeah, I understand. You guys had a mix-up. Okay, well, you need to straighten it out. Oh, okay, you already straightened out the mix-up? Cool. It sounds like you need to go ahead and hit them up and see if they got any more of them Oscar statues laying around in the back. Therefore, they can get them up for moonlight. But you're not getting this. And I'm damn sure not going to be the one to announce that y'all won. I ain't going to be the one to explain this. Somebody get paid to put this on. Like, I feel like you give me the Oscar and then you show me the card 
that says I didn't win the Oscar, but I already got the Oscar, and you try to take the Oscar from me at the very least. Because once again, I encourage you to come try to take this thing from me. And if you do, I'm going to step back, and I'm going to say the only thing I really feel like I should have to say in that situation. Hold up. I'm going to need to talk to the manager. Because I feel like when something gets to that level, the manager going to have to explain. And the manager, I don't care if we're on live television or not. The manager is not about to hit me with no one, two, maybe three-word explanation of what's going on. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it right here, and we're going to talk about it till it's explained to me to my greatest satisfaction how this happened. And then at that point, I am willing to walk away, and that's fine. But I'll be damned if you do not get me hyped up thinking that I won this, then take it away, and then I'm the one that's got to announce. I'm the one that's got to be like, nah, y'all won. Uh Uh-uh. And again, I got no problem with y'all really winning. I really don't. I'll congratulate you after the fact, but I'm not going to be the one that tells the world. I'll be walking off the stage. They'll be like, what happened? Ask him. That's right. Ask him. I don't care if it's the accountant's fault, whatever it is. Ask them. Ask that bean counter over there. Ask him. But I ain't going to be the one to explain nothing. Nothing. You don't get to play with me like that. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Trump and HBCUs. We can't trust it, right? So I was thinking about something today. With regards to the HBCU presidents, like 30-something of them went up there. I think they were supposed to meet with Betsy DeVos, and then they wound up in a photo op with Trump. One thing about the Obama administration that I think would be interesting to like really go back and chart is the Obama administration is the first social media presidency, right? Like it's the first one to really, I guess they've had all, they've had lots of pictures of all the presidents and all this stuff. But one thing I don't think we talk enough about with social media is a lot more snapshots make their way around than, than used to, right? So I feel like no matter what the situation is with Trump, you take the same Donald Trump and you drop him off in 1984 and send all those same HBCU presidents up there and don't nobody know about it. Like you might find out about it in the next issue of the jet book, but nobody knows about it. Like now instantly everybody finds out about it. And now of course, you know, there's this strong undercurrent of this idea of resistance and so everybody thinks that everybody needs to resist in the same way. And there was a bit of a backlash at these HBCU presidents saying that they should not have gone and met with the president of the United States. And I feel like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Now, no, you don't want to like you don't want to feel like you're getting played for a photo op. And there was absolutely and totally going to be a photo op involved there, and they were going to have to engage in it. Absolutely. Like, that's what it's going to be. But look, man, 
I I think there's something to the argument that you got to at least go and see if there's any way that you can hustle something good out of this for yourself. There's one thing you got to remember. Even if you can't hustle something good out of that for yourself, don't go up there and then let something bad happen to you. See how that winds up going over. Like, I just don't think that those presidents are in any position of strength that allows them to dictate what they're going to do for the the president as of right now. Like, if you can go up there, you can figure out a way to make this work and get you some money to make it better for your universities. I feel like you got an obligation to try. Now, I also understand the idea and the argument that if you are that vehemently opposed to Trump and what the Trump administration stands for, that as a just out of GP on principle, that you don't go and meet with him and... I don't know about that, man. I don't really know about that. Like, I get where you're coming from. I just think that that's a whole lot easier for you to say from where you stand. I'll also tell you this about those HBCU presidents. I don't think a single one of those presidents made that decision without a strong lean from their board. If the board said go, they went. If the board said don't, they probably didn't. But the board, don't ever get this twisted and think that the board doesn't matter. Like, look, man, here's what I think that people are looking for from those presidents that I think is a little bit unrealistic, is you are asking someone whose job is to be the president of an institution, the president of an institution. And you are asking that person to adopt an anti-establishment tone. When you are the president of anything, you're not really in a position to act like anybody's revolutionary because you do not respect revolution on principle you don't right like come on now these aren't the guys who are going to do this these aren't the guys that you put in positions to do things like that these are in theory the guys you put out there because sometimes you just gotta swallow it and you gotta go meet with donald trump that's part of the gig That's it. But if your concern is that they got used for a photo op, what in the world is that photograph going to change? Right? Like how much damage is being done by the fact that those presidents went up there? Right? Like what is it actually going to change? I feel like if you're in the position that they're in, you did have to give it a try. But the people who were most offended by it, I'm just wondering, like, so what harm do you think has been done? And if there hasn't been harm done, I think the easy answer replies to say, well, what positive has come from it? And I think that's fair to ask. But there was a chance of positive. There really wasn't much chance of negative from, like, going up there. There's plenty chance of negative from not going up there, though. I don't think Trump's somebody you just really be out here just saying no to and thinking it's just going to slide. Well, okay, well, we tried. Yeah, okay.
Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If you had to pick two producers to battle, who would you pick? Yeah, so there was a Swiss Beach Just Blaze beat battle. I didn't see it. Um, I struggle to see how in the world Just Blaze didn't win because I think I don't know how many people. Like I would say about Kanye, if I wanted somebody to mastermind a project, yeah, Kanye would probably be the guy. But beat for beat, man, Blazes, flames, flames. Now, like, I think about these beat battles, like, I could think of some that I would, like, not necessarily just, like, the two producers I'd like to see the most, but, like, the idea I think of of having these cats that are kind of similar world, similar orbits, you know? So, like, a Dr. Dre and DJ Quick Joint, of course, would be that fire, right? Um, I'm trying to think of who it is that I would want to get in one with Manny Fresh. Because, I mean, Manny Fresh got beats on beats on beats, but not just, like, beats by the pound. I mean, that's cool. But Manny Fresh, I think, was blowing them out the water. I'm trying to think of somebody with, like, somewhat similar type of sound that I think is in kind of the same zone as him, and I kind of struggle with that. But, like, DJ Premier and Pete Rock, that would be flames. That would be flames. Oh, yeah, Manny Fresh at two. I think that's a good call. And Manny Fresh and Organized Noise, I think that that would be a good call. Like, yeah, or, you know, Juicy J. And uh, Juicy, how about this? How about one, Juicy J and your man Metro Boomin? Since Metro Boomin, Steve's got a whole lot of 3 six Mafia to it. Now, you know what? Interestingly, like, hmm. Yeah, Neptune's Timberland, I think, is one that people would like. Who would be a good one for Pimp C? Rest in peace, of course. But who would be, like, in theory, who would be a good one to square up with Pimp C on a beat battle? Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Damn, there we go. With two number one albums in two weeks, is it safe to declare future the king of hip-hop? So, I've been told that Future put out these two albums. I have not checked out these two albums because I did that Dirty Sprite 2 thing with Future, and, I mean, sounds all sound the same. I, like, I just can't do a lot of that. It just it feels a bit too repetitive. And it's not that – and, look, Future got a whole lot of music that's jamming. I just ain't ever really been, like, in the place in my life where I just saw myself just sitting around, you know, just listening to a whole bunch of Future. You know, like, that's just not – that's not my Steve. That's no disrespect to anybody, but that's just not really the way that I'm out here doing this. Um but y'all love future. Y'all really, really love future. I don't know. Like the idea that future would be the king of hip hop is just kind of bizarre given. I mean, this is certainly music that is like heavily influenced by hip hop. And I'm not saying that his music isn't hip hop, but I don't feel like, like that's the thing, man. Like I don't feel like his music is the type that puts him in the category where he gets to be the king of hip hop. I mean, unless we're in a place where, like, we're officially here where being hip-hop royalty has nothing to do with rapping. 
right? And, you know, in future, Connor raps. He's rap-ish, but I don't think anybody would say he's rapping. Now, one thing, though, people got to stop hating, man. Like, this dude Michael's in the chat room saying future's a fad. Yo, man, future's done this for five years. Like, I was having a conversation the other day about this with Drake, and somebody was talking about, like, this idea that, you know, people are going to look back and they're going to laugh at this idea that Drake was so popular or anything. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get it. These are the classic albums of this day. Like, like Drake is what it is. Like, I mean, 2009 is, like, best I ever had and stuff like that, right? Yo, that's eight years ago. And Drake is still going to be around, right? Like, the Drake thing isn't ending anytime soon. You can't call Drake a fad anymore. You can't just act like this stuff is going to evaporate. There ain't going to be no evaporation from this. Like, I mean, these are the dudes of this time. This is what they rock with. Like, I think I've talked about this before. People my age, I'm 36. People my age just kind of got to get comfortable with the idea that we don't really dictate the direction of what the music game is or rap is, any of that, man. Like, I mean, this that's what young people do. And they have decided that this kind of stuff is what they do. And this is going to be what's defining of the time. And they're going to be going to weddings in 15 years and hold on, I'm coming home. Hold on, I mean, hold on, we're going home. Is going to come on. And that's going to be the jam that they, you know, mama and granny, whatever, going to dance to. Like, this is it. You know, and you can cringe about it and everything else, but yo, be real about it, man. This is this is their time. And if you're in my age range, yo, you don't really have a vote anymore about what's hot. And you can complain that the young folks don't really know good music, whatever the fuck. I mean, you can do that, but all you're gonna do is become what you always swore you never would. Now, Connor has to answer the question in the chat room where he says, "Has quote unquote traditional rap become something a select few like?" Like RTJ. And I do think that that's an interesting question. Like, are we reaching a point where, I mean, like, I listen to the Run the Jewels stuff. I mean, and they're so much better at rapping than these, other, than these cats are now that's making stuff, like, by and large. I mean, they are just worlds better at rapping than these cats are. I mean, just like the straight skill of rapping. There's no question. They are way better than that. But I do wonder if, like, that kind of music, and there's no shame in this, but it's like what jazz was like, you know, when you get to like the 1970s where it's not, you know, at the forefront of what's quote unquote hot, but there's always going to be people who really do it well and they kind of pop out and they get themselves a certain measure of mainstream success. But we can't expect hip hop, hip hop to be hot forever. I have said many times before, I will say it again. I am still wondering when the point is going to come, however, and we are going to see some level of evolution that gives us a whole new art form that is just completely post-hip-hop, that is completely separate from hip-hop. Like, it's time for a form of music, a form of black music, to come that is revolutionary and may have some influence in hip-hop, but is its own actual thing. And it's kind of shocking when you go back and look at the math, how exactly it is that it's happened that this thing hasn't happened yet. Like, I don't think hybridizing rap and R&B is really what I'm talking about. I mean, something just almost that's, a, that's according to a completely different paradigm. I'm like, all right, Michael says it again. It's a question, like, when traditional when, like when traditional rap going to become a category at the Grammys? It's entirely possible that we'll reach the point where that happens because we'll get older, and then there'll also be older people in the academy who still want to find a place for what they believe is the essential form. 
yo, we're just not young forever. Yeah, I mean, these the people that was the rock and roll generation, they didn't think they'd be old either. When they did, they did old stuff and said old things. And that's who we're going to become. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Hmm. Drake is your age. Drake is what? 30, 31. Drake is 30. I'm 36. I don't think I would say that he's my age. But am I at the age now where I should feel like it's a compliment that somebody thinks I'm 30? This dude Mitch says I look like I'm 44. What are you trying to say? I look like Obama? Because I damn sure don't look like I'm 44 years old unless you're like 13. Hold on. I'm struggling to find a question I want to answer. Has anyone ever presented you with an argument that changed your mind to move your position on something? Asking this because you seem to always cover every base. And I, I don't know why I decided to answer this because, of course, it's obviously very self-referential. Um, but people kind of change my position on things all the time. Like you take in as much information as you can and then something happens and given the information that you got, you draw the best conclusion. Like one thing about it is I do like, I'm trying to figure out how it's going and coming on any of these issues. So like when I try to do things and like express it in content form, as I'm coming up with something, like you got to ask questions about what it is. Like I do feel like a lot of people get a good feeling about something or they decide what side they ultimately want to be on. And then they try to find things after that, that support the idea of the side that they want to be on. I feel like you really got to approach this by asking all those questions along the way. Like you always have to be like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? Right. And that's for you and trying to figure out your conclusion. Like it's not about preparing for the bullets that come, but if you ask yourself those questions while you're formulating what you're thinking of, then when you get to explain it, what you're thinking of, then you're ready for those things because you yourself have asked those questions. Like you look at what the position is that you have and it's like, okay, but hold up. That lends itself to this question. Like, I feel like this, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people who probably disagree or would laugh at this, but I feel like I give my audiences a level of respect that very, very few people afford the folks who listen to them or watch them or whatever. And that level of respect is this. I will not give you an argument that I myself would not believe. Like, I'm not going to ask you to believe me on something and give you a rationale that I myself do not believe and I myself would not believe. Like, I am going to give you an argument that stands up to the scrutiny that I would give to someone passing these arguments off on me. I ain't never going to be the one that's out here trying to run a fast one by you. So I'll tell you about the scrutiny I gave it as I tell it to you, because I think that makes for an interesting thoughts and interesting discussion, and it leads to other people asking other questions. And sometimes in the course of asking those questions, somebody brings something up, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I'm wrong on that one. I ain't got no problem being wrong. I make a lot of shots. You make a lot of shots, you're going to miss some too. You just got to live that life, man. You just have to live that life. But nah, people change my mind on things fairly often. Okay, often might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's not the rarest thing in the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on the right, oh, not the right time, the evening, Jones. We try to do this thing here about once a week. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot 
Catch us live. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe at the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. I will talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.